Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the still unnamed podcast. Um, decided I'd do it a little differently today and uh, speak alone, give a little solo rendition of the thoughts I've been having over the past couple of days. Um, today I'll be talking about decision making, existentialism, unemployment, what to do during corona, corona mindset, and the so-called famine mentality or famine mindset. I think all of us have troubles making decisions. Um, you know, the classic case of asking your girlfriend where she wants to go for dinner and she says, I don't know, what do you think? And then the anxiety that ensues. Um, I think we're all experiencing um, a kind of existential angst that results mainly from considering all the options that we have available that are in front of us. Um, this is probably the best time that's ever been to be alive in human history, especially if you live in the West. Um, an abundance of opportunities and choices that are in front of you if you come from um, good background and um, are able to make your way way up, get a job, go to college. You have so many opportunities in front of you. But then again, it seems like we almost have limited opportunities in front of us. And I wanted to explore that more. Um, why do we feel these, this anxiety about the choices and anxiety that ensues from feeling like you've made the wrong choice? And the fear of missing out, which has definitely been mitigated during the pandemic because we all know that we are in similar situations. I've been unemployed for the past two months and have been finding it difficult to find a job. And I'd say the worst part of unemployment is really the days spent ruminating over possibilities, what could have been done differently, what I'm doing wrong now, and how to change that. It's the so-called time that you really spend with yourself, the unconscious thoughts that go through your mind, and the inability to tolerate boredom. I spoke on a podcast last week um, with a friend of mine about the addiction to social media. And I really th don't think that social media is the actual problem. I think it's our inability to tolerate boredom. I was at the stoplight the other day with my mom, and she noticed that I was checking my phone when we were at a red light, and it annoyed her, for one, because in Germany you're not allowed to check your phone while you're driving. And secondly, it demonstrated an inability on my part to really live with my thoughts. If you take a moment of your day absentmindedly looking at some object of interest in your surroundings, you'll probably not notice that the object of interest isn't actually what you're thinking about. Rather, you've got memories, emotions, images swirling through your mind of things that have happened in the past, random instances, perhaps they're uncomfortable, perhaps they are enjoyable. For the most part, in my experience, I've noticed that my default mode of thinking tends to 
either be associated with memories from the past or worries about the future. And I noticed that both these default modes, thinking about the past or the future, have a negative valence to them. There's a worry about what I could have done in the past, what I could have corrected. Not in a regretful sort of way, but in a way that makes me feel I couldn't have done it any differently. And I think about these things, I oscillate back and forth between the past and the future constantly without even being aware of it. On a daily basis, we have hundreds if not thousands of thoughts that go through our head that we don't really pay attention to. The first time that I really became cognizant of this fact was back in my hometown in St. Louis when I did what is called a sensory deprivation tank. And um, basically what this is, is a, looks like a bathtub that's filled with water and rock salt. You take your clothes off and you go into this bathtub and from the outside, it almost looks, has this cocoon-like shape. It's kind of shaped like an egg and it closes on you. And what happens is a deprivation of almost all of your senses. You don't see anything you don't hear anything, you don't smell anything. The idea is if you deprive the body of its senses, the mind will start going in very fantastic, strange directions. So I was basically laying in this tank, staring into the darkness and floating, floating in the tank more or less. And I just had these really strange visualizations at first. They are more or less flashbacks to random memories from the past like youtube videos i had watched the night before or some conversation i had with a friend two weeks before that and i really didn't know what to make of this i didn't know if there was meaning associated with these memories or if if this was um some sort of some sort of elevated form of consciousness i had no idea really what to think of this I was in that sensory dep deprivation tank for around 90 minutes, but the time actually felt a lot shorter than that. And it ended after what seemed like 15 minutes had gone by. The tank opened up. I was eased back into reality with some lights, some sounds. And being thrust back into reality was a strange experience, experience that made me more aware of the reality that goes on inside our head. And I guess you could call it an unconscious reality. I guess another more practical way that anyone could really find this out is with simple meditation. Meditation has really taken West by storm, Eastern Buddhist philosophy, uh, Vedanta philosophy has really dominated our culture for the past couple of years. And you've seen a lot of names thrown around almost in a virtue signaling fashion of meditating and transcending the conscious human experience that we live in. But a much simpler method to leverage meditation is just by sitting in a spot with your eyes closed and just paying attention to what comes up in your mind. You'll sit in a spot, try it for 30 minutes, and what you usually do with mindfulness meditation tends to be focusing on physical sensations. However, you shouldn't force your mind to just focus on a specific area of the body or sensations. Just observe what happens. The most importantly, observe what goes on in your mind. Because what you'll realize is that meditation is not some sort of 
deep transcendental experience that somehow elevates you to a higher form of consciousness. No, I think a lot of people have this expectation that it's supposed to be something like that. But really, it's understanding the randomness of the mind and the loss of control that you have over your thoughts. And the fact that the nature of consciousness is that you almost have no control over what thought comes to your mind. As much as I have control over how the sentence is going to end. And even as I'm saying these words, I still don't know how I'm going to formulate the sentence. And I could say anything right now. And this is a complete mystery to us. When you sit down and start paying attention to what thoughts come up in your mind, after 30 minutes or so, you'll start seeing images that just make no sense whatsoever. And you'll start questioning what significance these images or these memories have. The reality is your brain, your anatomy, your biology is sending signals. There's a part of your brain called the default mode network that will produce images and signals in the absence of conscious thinking. It's the so-called resting state of the brain that causes this to happen. It'll make you understand that a lot of the emotions that you might observe throughout your day or feelings that you might have or the fact that you don't know why you might be in a good or a bad mood are not within your control whatsoever. Rather, there is an illusion of control. I don't want to get too bogged down in, in free will, but I think it's an important observation, more or less realization, that we don't necessarily control the thoughts that come into our minds. Rather, we're able to observe them. Just like me thinking about a banana right now is not something that I could consciously come up with. On to other things. Corona has been tough on everyone. I mean, for me personally, one of the hardest parts of this whole entire pandemic has not been able, not being able to go to the gym. Um, that's been a pretty big part of my life. Fitness has been since I started playing football in seventh grade. So what happened was that I started to get really re resentful <laughs> towards the gyms because they were continuing to charge me for memberships. And then I started complaining, getting angry, and not realizing that a lot of this was really still within my control. I bought some home exercise equipment. Um, there's some products that I can definitely recommend. Um, for anybody who's fitness lover like I am, I can totally recommend kettlebells. Those are type of weights that are pretty much perfectly designed for a home workout. You can get a really intense workout in just in under 20 minutes, and they're easy to use. They pretty much train a lot of different parts of the body simultaneously when you do one workout, and they're not too expensive either. Another product that I would totally recommend for home workouts is a foam roller. I have one. I use it after I go running or after I um, lift weights at home. Helps stretch out muscles and uh, really massage d deep tissue muscle muscles that you don't really uh, get to do usually when you do normal stretches. Rubber bands, there are some fitness bands that I bought that are also really useful for using at home. But this isn't really meant as a commercial for these products, but more or less a recommendation on how to still get a great workout in despite gym closure and the pandemic that's going on. You might live in an area where the gyms are still open and this isn't a problem. However, in Germany, with stricter lockdown measures going on, I've had to take more drastic measures to find gym equipment and continue my 
love for fitness at home. What I also realized is that um, it's much easier to go into this state of the so-called famine mindset where the glass is always half empty and it's it's never half full and you have a very pessimistic outlook on life and you just don't see any opportunities anymore. And I say this is the biggest obstacle to success in general. And I know it sounds very cliche, self-helpy to say that, oh, just be positive and think of what you can achieve. But the reality is, if you're like me and you tend to have a cynical or pessimistic default mode, um, you need to actively counteract this mode of thinking by either visualizations. And what I mean by visualizations are sitting down, closing your eyes in the morning and imagining a future full of success for yourself, whatever that means, whether it is um, being in a successful relationship, having kids or having a job that pays well or being in a place that you love. What I would do is I would imagine one of my favorite places in the world, which was Cartagena, Colombia, and just focus on the details of this experience while closing my eyes. And what I realized from this was that I just felt a lot happier and a lot more positive after doing this. And this helped me start a more optimistic mindset at the beginning of the day. Another thing that you can do, which I totally recommend, are affirmations. So affirmations are verbal statements that you repeat to yourself that have some sort of significance for you. And it can be something that are, are meant to counteract a fault that you have. Let's take laziness as an example. You could say that I have strong work ethic and repeat this statement a couple of times every morning while looking at yourself in the mirror to really help you reaffirm that this is a trait that you want to have. And then you'll start acting it out as well. You'll go about your day and you'll be more positive. If you don't believe me, you can try it out for yourself. It might not work for everyone, but it's definitely worth a try. So it's definitely, it's your responsibility to counteract whatever fault that you may have, whether that's procrastination, laziness, depression, or just an overall pessimism. And that's the most important takeaway from this pandemic that I've had. This time can be an opportunity for you, and you can make whatever you want out of it, whether that's starting a series of good habits, starting to make changes in your life that might be necessary, reaching out to loved ones that you haven't spoken with in a while. Every day presents a new opportunity for you to change this around. And as one of my favorite speakers once said, compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not to someone else today.